0: It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by ARC. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by ARC or podcast guests and are not endorsements or recommendations by ARC to buy, sell, or hold any security. Clients of ARC Investment Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. and Welcome back to another exciting episode of FYI. I'm Nicholas Gruse, an associate portfolio manager at ARC. And today I'm joined by Andrew Kim, an associate on the Next Generation Internet team, and our very special guest, John Morgenstern, head of media buying at VaynerMedia. John, I want to kick it over to you before we get into our broader topic on threads and Twitter and what you're seeing in the media buying space. What does a head of media buying do? Can you give us a breakdown um, of your job? Yeah, absolutely,
2: and thanks for having me on. Um, so to kind of zoom out to VaynerMedia, it's an independent, uh, digital-focused creative and media agency, um, headquartered in New York. Gary Vaynerchuk uh, is our CEO, and so there's a whole creative side of VaynerMedia. Um, you know, the social content for brands, or even like television commercial content, billboards. You know, that that whole side of the house pretty much does it all at this point. But going back to '09 when Vayner started, it was like very much pure social. So there's that like creative and production realm of Vayner. And then there's the media side of Vayner in which I sit. Um, Within media, there's like the whole world of cross-channel media planning, um, audience segmentation, research, all of that. There's the buying, which is my world, the hands-on keyboard. Okay, we're activating everything. Um, You know, we do most of our work in biddable digital, as we call it, uh, you know, a whole lot of paid social um, our aperture is opening up more and more to traditional as well, but we've kind of been waiting for things like what you're seeing in CTV and other places happen. Cause like biddable expertise is our thing. So always quite hands on keyboard, um, ad creation, management, optimization, reporting, analytics, all of that sort of good stuff is all me. Um, and then there's the whole side of like media measurement, mixed modeling and attribution and, and all of that, that I kind of sit peripheral to, um, And our value prop is, you know, the integrated creative and media thing, you know, especially with where, not to get ahead of ourselves, but where the TikToks and metas are going, where like creative is increasingly becoming like the the main, if not only variable uh, in these algos, Uh, the creative and media thing was was kind of done with that intention or expectation by Gary, um, which is cool. So most clients do both with us, but we have some media only, some creative only.
1: Got it. So this must be pretty exciting times for you with the rollout of threads and Twitter. And that's kind of the main topic we want to focus on today. Just get the in-house view. You know, this is a new platform tech space. What is, you know, the in-house view at Vayner? How are you guys approaching this new platform? How do you view it in terms of, you know, its importance for Instagram and then also Twitter? Like what where, what where are you guys at with this?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that Vayner like lives for. And this is the stuff that back in the day, 2009 to 2012, like in another time when there's a lot happening in social, it's like how the agency kind of built up its rep um, uh, by being early in these places, brands seeing, Hey, like this, this one brand got here early and did something great. Like who is their agency? Like that's a lot of what Gary and early Vayner day traded in. Um, and so moments like this really feel like going back to the roots, um, where, yeah, I mean, Gary has been somewhat public about it. He he loves the Clone Wars. He's always here for it, as, as he calls it, the Clone Wars of every platform, you know, essentially copying or attempting to copy every feature of ev- every other platform. Um, I mean, everything from Twitter Spaces to Clubhouse to TikTok uh, with Be Real um, and now uh, meta with, with threads, their version of Twitter, it's like become the expectation, honestly. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been wild to see. I mean, obviously a hundred million users is, is no joke. Um, I think it's still the second most downloaded free app in the, at least in the iOS app store as of, as of today. And yeah, we've been, it went into like blitzkrieg mode, like, like obviously our clients were curious about it, but, um, you know, you want to be as early and kind of stand out and have fun there as as possible. So the last few days have been like the, the blitz with brands to get something stood up, obviously get it approved and all that sort of thing, um, and then kind of set set the tone. But it was pretty pretty easy to do that. It was hard to do it well and have like the thoughtful break, breakthrough thing that like won the day on social media, but it was pretty easy to do because one... Meta and Instagram were already approved as a platform. You know, we work predominantly with like fortune 1000 brands where there's a lot of approval, you know, um, you know, uh, risk control layers to go through. So if, if threads was like a independent, different company, we probably couldn't have been as fast because there's more of that, like, Hey, we have to, you know, crawl, walk, run into it, but it was already Instagram already had the graph um, ported over and then brands are already tweeting. So it's like, Another issue, like TikTok comes along, brands like, hey, our short form video game, we need to really step that up to be relevant on TikTok. This was like, we tweet, like Wendy's. Um, They're like, oh my God, we like our brand Twitter, we're going to have a field day. So it was pretty low friction,
1: which is cool. And so... When you look at threads versus Twitter, one are you, you know, you're in kind of this space. So what are people saying about Twitter? How are they viewing Twitter now that Threads is out there? Where do you see these two platforms headed? You know, I, I think it is interesting to look at the way and the nature that Meta rolled out threads and how intricately tied it is to Instagram, in that you have like this very clickable threads link on instagram profiles and then you have the instagram profile linked back on the threads. And so I'm curious how are brands approaching this because it just feels like an extension of instagram, but then you also have twitter out there which, you know, has hundreds of millions of active users. Threads obviously had a record-breaking launch, you know, 100 million in less than a week. It was, you know, I think it took them 7 hours to get to 10 million, so there's really no way to spin it and say like that launch was a failure. It was absolutely a success, but now they have work to do. And then you also have this kind of platform and Twitter out there, which serves the same use case. How are brands looking at these two now? Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, brands wise, it was, it was smart. It was strategic and and very smart timing, at least in the perspective of, of brands for meta to launch threads when they did, because again, and if like, the pure performance marketers or just like, you know, SMBs don't care as much about this stuff or it's not much of a factor, but again, in like, like large, um, uh, risk averse, you know, uh, brand safety minded, um, you know, in, in that realm of things with Twitter being such kind of a mixed bag, regardless of like reality, you know, there's always like the headlines and then what's the truth, but even just, it's one of those things of, like a fifth risk, like even if there's a low probability that, you know, your brand gets, you know, embroiled in some, some brand safety related issue, like large brands just pull back, like reflexively quite quickly. And so Twitter has been kind of going through that for a while now, like, Hey, do you have the bots under control? Hate speech under control? Again, you know, everything you hear from Twitter is, is like, Hey, we've made huge strides here. And I'm sure they, they have at least in a bunch of criteria, but that being so dramatic and brands already kind of being like a little hesitant both on the ad side and twitter in general was smart with threads um but again we'll see you know that stuff tends to be short-lived and like every platform's gone through it youtube had a huge brand safety problem a few years back everyone pulled back um so this stuff happens um and yeah i mean we we try to keep the the brands we work with you know sharing our vision of being somewhat agnostic to it. Like regardless of where it heads, you just have to follow whoever wins. Like they both win great. If one versus the other, um, just see how it plays out and who wins with the consumer. And I think, you know, most of our partners kind of view it the same way. Um, of course, everyone has their own biases about Zuck and Elon and like, you know. Um,
0: cage, I, I know fi- you,
2: cage fight
1: you, of the century happening soon.
2: Yeah, yeah. cage fight of the century. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, Nick, about um, like politics and other things, like probably not going to be a part of Threads, according to most Everyone has their own like opinions about that, including brand folks. But it's really, even if Threads goes to zero tomorrow, and even though you see Gary and Vayner being all, all over it, like we're completely cool with that. Um, and it's always this give and take, like Elon now, you know, seem to juice up the monetization side, and that'll now put the pressure to see what what Threads can do um obviously there are no ads on threads that's like my actual day-to-day like most tied thing so i mean it's so easy to view how ads will flow into it just like they've flown from feed into stories into reels fully expect the same thing but you know obviously twitter ads are much more of
3: a strategy of its own right now so what's your take on the deprioritization of hard news and politics like is that what's key to text-based social media? Like what what do you think are the drivers there for engagement in general?
2: Man, um again from like a like brand safety lens, you know, most folks are pretty like kind of breathe a sigh of like okay, like I kind of like that in terms of it being like this kind of more more um keep it light kind of keep it topical you know more about like humor um expertise storytelling whatever um so from like an advertiser standpoint it's not a bad idea i would say again unless you're it unless you subsist mainly on political advertising which is a whole like different world but it's interesting like there's a lot there's all like the memes going around of uh Threads users being like, oh, it's like this nice utopian kind of like sunny day of Twitter over here. And then a lot of the the Twitter purists being like, that's been the problem with Instagram this whole time of like, it's just like not real life. And, and Elon tweeted this too. And they're both true. And it's interesting how like in a, two, in a two-pronged race, you know, like Coke and Pepsi, Apple and Android, like it kind of makes sense that one, that they'll have those sorts of differences. Like... They can both do quite well. Threads is more the Apple iOS closed system. Android is more the like, do whatever you want. And they both are, are huge. You know, is that how Threads and, and Twitter net out? Um, but again, it was smart. It like carved out some lanes versus Twitter at a time where that was like something brands and a lot of, a lot of folks that they could most win with would like. And they know that a lot of the folks they, that they had no chance of winning with on Twitter who are like about it on Twitter, you know, they had no chance with anyway.
1: And you mentioned the response from Twitter with creator monetization. That feels like something that Twitter needs to have. You know, Elon obviously promised this back in February, but it's, you know, no coincidence that he rolls it out the week after Threads launches, right? I think he felt the pressure and this is a great way. And you saw the success that TikTok had with their creator fund, and Instagram and Snap, they've all done this in certain areas. So what do you think Instagram or Thread's response will be now? Do they kind of just let this this go until the platform gets bigger and they can start to work out some of the monetization opportunities? Zuck has said, you know, they're waiting until this gets... On a trajectory to reach a billion users to monetize with advertising. So I'm curious, like, does this give Twitter a nice moat with creators? I've seen a ton of them posting the exact payouts, which I'm, you know, quite surprised people are that willing to. I'm wondering if that's maybe organic or inorganic, but you know, that's just my mind wandering. So curious where you think kind of this response falls in with kind of the success of the platform itself and threads. I feel like this response was also like, nothing to be uh it, it, i think it's admirable i'll say that I, like i thought the response was that's exactly what you need to do elon and team great job yeah. right yeah no i think it like
2: it's the exact sort of like counter punching that you know totally c- can make sense and we saw this a while back with like the creator fund wars of like snap announced you know with spotlight like 100 million for creators and then you know meta was like 200 and then everyone had that moment that was all drained and then they're like i wonder how sustainable this is that's always like a question of it too but yeah it was it was strategic one to just kind of like tilt the the pressure or like the balance of power or like you know the the creator love more back in, in twitter's direction and make it sticky but it was also smart because even outside of threads and twitter monetization crater monetization like led by TikTok to your point and like Instagram proper, Facebook proper, like, and how good or not good that's perceived today. It's just like another, like, you know, kind of gut punch for Meta to like step, continue stepping that up more. Cause I do think they've been versus a YouTube that has like the strongest herita- heritage and rev share and like stood up shorts in Feb and then TikTok. That's been kind of figuring it out. Meta, I would I would say is the third horse in the race with like, yes, they have reels overlays um, and there, there are some passive monetization streams for like bigger, bigger creators today. But especially when we turn back the clock to 20, 2013 to 2020, it was purely Instagram. It was purely influencers and creators um, monetizing their organic reach, like despite Facebook and Instagram's
1: tools to help them. They haven't been as generous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like, and they've been like de facto generous in terms of, Hey, we give you organic reach, but now that's like far from being enough. One, they went in on the economics, I'm sure. But two, you know, in the TikTok came along kind of did that better in many ways and, and has it so smart for two ways. Cause it also like adds another layer of pressure on meta with creator monetization and like, you know, TikTok creator marketplace, TikTok's creator affiliate program, shops for creators, the, um, creator creativity beta program like tiktok has a lot going um and meta's had a handful of those things most of which they've like tried and then put on ice um so very curious how how meta responds less so with threads monetization in the near term but with like ig facebook proper
3: honestly it's just going back to the close tie, right, between threads and Instagram. And given that we are talking about creators, just wanted to get your sense of, like, how you think influencer marketing can evolve. Um, Maybe just taking a step back first, like, do you think for brands that have a stronger presence on Instagram than on Twitter, say, do you think threads just being an extension there is, like, more beneficial? And, like, will, like, the Twitter team prioritize threads going forward, um, assuming that, you know, user-based follows retention is there, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think even though Twitter has shown, you know, just like can kind of continue to leave Twitter as Twitter, like what it was when it was initially released has shown that like, there's something sticky about the setup of like text-based quick. Um, even though like things have marched from text to image, to video, to like, you know, more interactive video and like in terms of the engagement and all that can be, be done with it, you know, that, that still is like where the march of things goes. Um, and so I don't, I do think that the real must win is like the world of short form video and reels and the AI on it. And like, there's just so much more there. Like there's just so much more an algorithm can do computer vision within the video, the graph, the engagement behavior than even if they use every thread aspect to their advantage perfectly. So I think that's where the, the focus of like the next gen resources will be. But on the thread side, I would honestly, I think there's more to gain by folks that were big on Twitter, but were nowhere on Instagram because they were like, it's like, they're not going to they don't have images or videos to post or they're not not—they're not about that. Um, and now threads have been a way in for them onto Meta's graph. Um, I, I ran some quick analysis of like people's threads follower ratios versus their Instagram follow ratios, which are usually like five to 10% because it's like, you know, everyone propagates over and everyone kind of says, hey, I want to follow the same people. You just kind of naturally get this. So I was looking at folks whose numbers are like really Crazily skewed that have like double their th- threads followers as they do Insta, and it's all Twitter types of folks, um, like the the journalists um, and folks that again some are like millions on on Twitter and like a couple thousand on IG. So I think that's kind of a great way in for them, and then they can exist more in Meta's uh, Fediverse. I now we I guess we call it now, right? So that's like clutch. But then it's also yeah for for folks that are dominant on Insta, then having the the graph poured over, you just get to extend it. Um, and if you were nowhere on on Twitter, you might be okay. So I think both have have wins, but it's not like lopsided. Like the the Instagrammers kind of win out at the expense of, of Twitter
3: folks. I think that's been an interesting dynamic. Gotcha. I mean, I guess you did mention that short form video winning. That is kind of at the crux of the social wars. So maybe we can just do a quick pivot there like what are you seeing with reels monetization today um or like ad performance in general um how does it compare against tiktok um are your clients kind of um has tiktok moved out of the experimental budget now at this point it would be great to get your general thoughts there
2: yeah well i would say for one one sneaky thing with tiktok is that and anyone who's like lived deep in tiktok will know this like the TikTok text game, like what goes down in comment threads and like replies having 200,000 likes and then like a reply to a reply, like TikTok is is weirdly sneaky with like a threads Twitter type play. And honestly, some of the most fervid, fervent, like hyper engaged, like a a TikTok in a reel, you might get similar views, but you have like 20X more commentary on a TikTok. It's just like, something about it. So I think that's just something interesting to to watch with TikTok in general. Again, Clone Wars, like, all of a sudden they're like, we have, you know, breads. Um, They can spin this stuff up so quickly. But yeah, um, we've been spending a ton of time cracking. And there's something that, like, Gary especially, you know, has really, like, been pushing the tempo on for a while now. He was talking about Musical.ly in 2016 to crack... TikTok, not just for like ads and brand marketing, but like performance advertising has become the real focus of late, like the brand stuff, you know, um, you know, really efficient reach engagement, buzz PR, um, awareness that's like in a pretty, continues to be in a pretty damn good spot. Um, but the performance marketing side, which is obviously the bread and butter, like where the real business happens and where like the real unlock of millions of advertisers happen, you drive business. It's been a it's been a journey. It's no different in in so many ways than the evolution of mobile news feed into stories, and now stories into reels. Where like, we more so you might hear my dog a little bit. Um, uh, folks more so had like Facebook feed figured out for DR, and then Instagram made it trickier. Um, there was no linking out on Instagram for forever. Period. So once just getting people comfortable with like, you can click on stuff now with ads was a thing. Then stories, everyone was so used to static image-based ads. And so it always happens where like, it comes out, it performs worse than its counterparts in feed. I'm talking now like just within meta. Um, But there's like an underpriced opportunity, early mover opportunity for like the scrappy brands that like crack it early because by definition, you know, most folks aren't really, the algorithm isn't really taking them there because they haven't found the creative. And so then those folks take early advantage. You saw the same thing with TikTok and like Dr. Squatch, Soap and a few others that just like went nuts on performance ads like two years ago when they really didn't seem to work for most people. And then they show, they crack the code, the market kind of follows and then it kind of matures and, and goes along. And so I think that TikTok is very much on that journey. Reels is very much on that journey. I would say with Reels, it's been like having stories content helps translate over because you at least have vertical motion things, but it does not work the same. Just like if you were to post it in, in TikTok, people would be like, this is basically an ad or a story. This is not short form video proper. Reels TikTok has actually helped Reels with performance marketing a bit more because TikTok has been totally focused on making this work for performance. People finally figure out the creative and then they take it over to Reels and then it just starts working hard there. Like That's been almost more helpful than trying to take your existing meta ingredients and then making them work in Reels. Um, So yeah, meta with Reels kind of owes TikTok a little bit like, hey, thanks for helping us all figure out using creators for performance ads, and you know, um, porting it over. But it's still not like TikTok. Like for like performance-wise, still doesn't quite touch Meta on average. Um, you know, for a, a, a bunch of reasons. Um, when you zoom into just the Reels side of Meta, it's closer, but it's where like okay, any good TikTok ad for performance, you can just. It's it's all the same short form. You just take it, run it on Reels, and then the meta-algo still has a bit of an advantage. So it's like TikTok
1: has some catching up to do, but it's nothing like un, unsolvable per se. John, I have a, a related question. It's not so much at the platform level, but the type of ad product out in the market. One that I've noticed, and I think it really started to take off with TikTok and short form, and obviously there's... You know predecessors to it, but this idea around challenges and marketing around challenges, or like these viral trends, trends that have product placement. Andrew and I, and maybe I've just stole your question, but we've talked about like the the grimace challenge, and you see all of these like product placement challenge trends. What is that? How do you even define that in? advertising terminology is it just something that exists and it's hard to really put your finger on it or can this be created by companies they can be created by companies but it's
2: supremely hard to do um where i think mcdonald's with grimace a a lot of of smart marketing and like ways that they like you know introduced into the system, choosing Grimace, how they did it, like very smart. Did they engineer it? Like, is it playing out as they engineered with them as the puppeteers? I really don't think so. And like when you when you listen to folks at Wyden or, or McDonald's or like, talk about it, they didn't expect a lot of this. And obviously it's a lot of stuff that a brand could never explicitly endorse at all. So part of it is a bit of the luck of the draw of like, you can kind of like calibrate it and, and get it where it has as good a shot as anything, but there's been grimace like things that didn't hit. Um, You know what I mean? And then also if you kind of go a little bit to, hey, we're a brand trying to like force this to happen, but acting like we're not, then you can get it the other way where everyone's just like, like we do not like this. Um, Like it's, it's this weird balance of, you obviously want to try to engineer it and do so many things right. But the more you try to do that and the more that shows, the less of a chance it'll have. And we see this with content too. Content with errors in it. Like there's been creators that have posted like unfinalized pieces of content that they meant to send to a brand for approval or do privately. And then it's gone on to do amazingly because everyone's like, oh my God, this was meant to be sent to the brand. It wasn't done. But like, like it's so honest and like, People are just, you know, trolling it and having fun with it. Um, And then it can still lead to like all these brand outcomes. So it's this weird, like, kind of the more authentic you are, including being authentic by you. It was an accident,
3: but it shows some level of like real life. They've gone two for two, right? McDonald's with with Travis Scott, too. So they must know something. Yeah. Great
2: companies like McDonald's and their agencies that know enough of like what's in culture and what'll do well in culture right? Like Grimace, Travis, all that stuff, spot on. But then exactly how it plays out is very hard to predict, you know, in, in magnitude, but yeah, totally. But I would say no one, what's most impressing us and I would say the industry largest, is Barbie. Cause that is just so crazy. 360. Like it's like a hundred different grimacey,
1: like little ideas or moments or like stunts or awesome things. So that's been cool. Splash everything in in the color pink and it becomes a Barbie marketing. Precisely. I'm curious what else you're seeing in the social media landscape. I mean, you're across all of these platforms. You're looking at it in an interesting way and from a financial way, right? You're using measurement analysis to really understand how advertising performs on each of these platforms, we talked a bit about some of these products and platforms. What else are you seeing out there? What is exciting Vayner today? Where are you looking as this is the next thing, or, you know, maybe this is something, maybe it's not. Curious, you know, where you guys are focused. Yeah, I mean, TikTok certainly remains
2: a huge one where the most proven TikTok business driver are what we've been talking about more like the groundswell, like, like a lot of organic, um, in terms of where you, you feel the business impact, like ocean spray to McDonald's to CeraVe. Um, it was not just like a great direct response ad program. It was like a creators, huge organic ads off the back of that, which is a big departure from meta that really has like put organic to the side and also has created a system Especially in performance marketing, where like you don't need organic signal, or like organic, yeah, will will only be of so much interest, but you can still set up a really badass high-performing performance campaign. So that's been really interesting. We're spending a lot of time on that. Of okay, stuff that really cranks on organic and TikTok. And that becomes the ad you make work for performance. And if you haven't really, as a brand, gotten to at least a solid place organically and like your role on TikTok, It's like almost like it's, it's almost like a prerequisite to then do the ads thing. Because without that, the ads will almost certainly just do mixed at best. Just given the whole nature of it, like dynamic product ads, for example, now, uh, you know, advantage plus or advantage shopping campaigns, product catalog, things that are getting served to you in a hyper personalized, relevant way, very shoppable you know, slay on meta. Smart, like TikTok's version of that does not nearly to the same extent because you get that in your TikTok feed and it's just like, no. So that's been the rub for both of them and TikTok's helping lead the way. So yeah, organic as a gateway and also visible engagements. I saw a stat that like 70% of FinTalk users look at the number of likes To determine the trustworthiness of content um and like that social proof and if you see an ad that has a million likes on it what does that do versus an ad with 12 like seems to actually matter on tiktok in a way that meta really like kind of ended the conversation on improve and wasn't a thing and even in um tiktok shops which is one we're spending more and more time on too including like Like TikTok's whole master plan with shops, warehousing, and like, it's, you know, vast what they, what they have in mind, they, the product counters, you know, when you're, when you're in shops and sees 8,032 sold versus 16 sold. And I hear, I'm U.S. focused, but I hear in Asia, like this is a huge aspect of live shopping, like just like the social proof and the scale. I mean, like every product, you see how many of it have, have sold. And so like that is fascinating to us right now. Can you will your shop to get to 500 sales of a product so that then that you have the visible social proof of that and then it kind of takes off more versus when you're at like three sold, people stumble across it and are like, nah. Um, so a, lot, a whole lot on TikTok. But outside of social, and I could talk about the p- world of paid social endlessly. Um, retail media, of course, has been like a mega one past 18 or so months in particular and then like modern living room you know OTT CTV, like the emerging new school of it like the actual rise of facebook ads managers for ctv um is like we're extremely excited about too it's kind of finally our entry point into the game
1: we were just having a Actually, right before we we started this podcast, an internal debate in our weekly brainstorm session around CTV and shoppable ads. Are you seeing interest yet for kind of call to action advertising within the CTV space that hadn't maybe been present in linear, but now obviously digital connected TV offers you more precision and there's a lot more that you can do with advertising. What is, um, we're, we're very curious about CTV. Obviously we have, you know, some exposure there in our funds, but curious where you find CTV and the trends within that.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, Roku's news this week with, you know, the Shopify play they're doing like made a lot of waves and is, and is very exciting. And like them going after like that D to C kind of Shopify player, I think is really cool versus just trying to court like you know, huge TV spenders over onto OTTC TV. Yeah. There's certainly interest. It's hard. You know, It's always hard to calibrate if it's more interest. Like there was a ton of interest on buying snap lenses in 2016 because it was like, it's PR, it's the shiny object. Like it's, it's a new functionality people haven't experienced before. Like, and also like brands just want to be first. There will always be that. Um, so I'm sure I think it was true classic. That's like one of the partners, but I'm sure. There's brands lined up around the block to be part of it. And even if it doesn't sell that many through Roku pay, it's like still a win. Um, and then there's things like, are in at least a big CBG. even more interesting is like Walmart connect doing what they did with Roku of like, Oh, Hey, same sort of idea, but with Walmart shopping. And you know, if you're, if you're uh you know, Unilever or whomever, like that is more interesting to you than than the Shopify play. But it definitely remains to be seen like how big that sort of style of things will go. We've obviously been trying to hack it with QR codes. A lot of folks have for a while, you know, um, uh, unique promo codes, then tie back uh, TV exposure to buying on site. Like there's a whole lot around like TV generated commerce. This now makes it that much more frictionless and whatnot. I think probably the most interesting... Exciting thing about it to me is if there's enough, I'm sure you guys have thought about this at Arc. if there's enough of that Shopify, like just enough people buying with Roku Pay on these Shopify partnerships, and it gives Roku enough data that they can start to have like a conversion bidding algorithm like Meta or like TikTok, I mean, like all all digital platforms. That is really cool because then, you know, it truly is like, the the targeting precision just flywheels and then you are hitting the right people. And then people, that creates this feedback loop where people know if they watch, they'll be, they'll be like receiving ads and being on the lookout. So that's really compelling. That's something that like QR codes, promo codes could obviously can never do. Roku needs to own that signal or like, you know, have it co-owned with Shopify. But it's a machine learning situation. You need to train, you need a huge data set you know, to calibrate it in and make it work for everyone at scale. It's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it's a really exciting time within CTV because you're starting to see. It, it. It reminds me of early platform, you know, online platforms. And I think a lot of people mistake. And you know, it's obviously labeled CTV, but if you get into the inner workings, these are digital platforms, right? It's all OTT. Um, it's not built on the same rails as linear. There's so much precision and, and, and accuracy you can build in compared to what linear afforded you that it, I think it's fair to bucket CTV within to digital and not within to like the television advertising budget, but that's, you know, just coming at it from purely a research lens. No, I think it's fair. It's like Tesla.
2: A Tesla still feels like a car and is compared to cars, but it's like, it it almost feels like closer to an iPhone on wheels. Um, yeah. And it's the same sort of thing, uh, with, with CTV versus, versus TV.
1: No, yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, this has been fantastic, John. I have one last question for you. We didn't get to it when we were talking threads, Twitter, we pivoted Prediction from you, is this a binary event as in one succeeds, the other completely fails, or can these both coexist going forward? Putting you on the hot seat.
2: Yeah. Like there's definitely precedents, many precedents where there can be multiple players. Um, You know, it's not like, like, I mean, look at YouTube shorts, reels, and TikTok. Like that's like a a hell, like, they're jockeying back and forth, so I think, you know, we're less into the predicting game versus the reacting in the now as to like what you know what's going on, what's going or not. I think it's definitely possible. It feels like threads will evolve a lot more, and obviously, Moseri has talked about all sorts of features and things. And they know it's early there. Obviously, creator monetization and Twitter and how that all plays out, but it feels like th- now I'm going back to the TikTok com- reply thread commenting style of things like I feel like at some point threads and Instagram will come back together in ways where it's still an innovation and like a new thing. But I think threads looks more like a layer of Instagram in ways that Instagram doesn't have now than like a standalone Twitter forever. Um, because yeah, inevitably more video image, all that stuff will like get, get interwoven Um and we'll see, you know, what Twitter can do in the reverse. Like, does their media viewer, like vertical, their vertical video feed, you know, take hold um, and all
1: of that, but. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. This was very enjoyable. Um, you are super knowledgeable. We love having you on to talk about this um, and really appreciate uh, you taking the time. So thank you, John. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to to talk it out with you guys. You know, you're stuck. <laughs> You know your stuff. We we know our stuff because of you, so we appreciate it. <laughs> and I know it because of Gary. <laughs> All roads lead back to Gary V yes. in the media media space. Prior, uh, FYI, right. um, yes, 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 yes. I'm, yeah. yes. He was he was our he was on. I'm that was uh, two years ago, I think. But yeah. yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it as always, and see you next week.